rejoice and be glad in it. We've chosen to be here. God has brought us all together. Let's not waste a breath as we worship out with one another.
church, thank you so much for being here. You guys may go ahead and have a seat. And if you're worshiping with us online, thank you so much for joining us and being a part of this service. We have a great hour planned for you. Um, in just a moment, the band will take things back over and Pastor Jonathan will take the stage to round out the hour with week two of the Jonah series. But before we get into that, if you are a first time visitor here at New Spring, thank you so much for being here and checking us out. We are thrilled to have you and we want to hear from you. So please fill out the talk to us card that you received in your worship guide. Just put down whatever information you're comfortable with sharing and then slip it in the offering bucket as it passes by. Or as you walked in, you may have seen guest services. There's one in the front lobby, also one back by the coffee shop. You could turn it to in, sorry, you could turn it into them instead, and they'll give you a free gift. Is our way of saying thank you so much for being here. But again, everybody, thank you for joining us, and please direct your attention to the video screens for this short video. Daddy.
Father God, that's who we praise this morning, God. That's who we worship, Father. In a world where things are constantly changing, morals are shifting, things can pull us every which way and confuse the mess out of us, God. But we know and we trust and we believe here that your word never changes. Your truth always stands the same, God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, Father. And that's who we hold to when we're confused and when we're lost and when things are just tricking us out in our society today, God, we can run to you. We can know that you are true, God. And we can know that regardless of what we choose to do, God, that your praise 
and your glory will be continued to be sung for eternity, Lord. The angels sing even when we don't, God. And so may we feel encouraged to be a part of that when we're here in this place, in this moment of worship through song, that we are singing with the angels and giving you praise, God. We thank you for that today, for the encouragement you give us through worship, through music. May you continue to bless our time as we worship and hearing your word, God. Speak through Jonathan. Bless everyone's day here and quiet our soul. In your name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Aren't you thankful for Ryan and the team leading us in worship this morning? I'm so glad to see you here. Happy Father's Day to you dads in the room. And I think I can vouch for those of us who are dads to say it's the coolest thing in the world to get to be a daddy. Uh, and uh, it's a special time. And we hope that this is a great day for you. Uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, called Jonah. I'm excited to come and bring a talk. I was really excited to get to be part of this because I've always loved the story of Jonah. I, I do recall asking a Sunday school teacher if Jonah was the first person to get a ride in a submarine. She didn't appreciate the fact that I asked that question, but I digress. Um, so anyhow, we're thrilled to have you here. Looking forward to uh, opening God, open up God's word here in a few minutes and talk about what, what to do when we don't follow God's directions. But for now, I'm going to ask those who are prepared to take the offering. Y'all can go ahead and come on forward and do that at this time. And if you'll take a look at the screens, you can see what's going on at New Spring Church this week. Fuse is a four-day summer event in Kansas City for high schoolers to get away with their friends, have a week of fun, and watch their faith grow. Each day will be its own unique schedule with theme park trips to worlds of fun, oceans of fun, and Schlitterbahn water park. There will be live worship, nightly talks from Mark Hoover, lead pastor of News Free Church, and small group opportunities to connect you with new friends and talk about life and faith in God. You and your friends can expect events like tribal competitions, pool parties, horseback riding, zip lines, and so much more. So get away with us July 28th through the 31st at this summer's views. Save your spot now with a $75 deposit at thesummerfuse.com. Hey, college-age adults, look at this girl. Oh, the gas light just came on. I can make it a few more miles. Look at this guy chasing a football all by himself. Hey, Butterfingers, you know football's not a one-man game, right? Maybe you should go back to playing Madden 2001 in your parents' basement. Yeah, okay, sure. You don't need help getting those hard-to-reach areas. Maybe you could get your mom to help you out with that. Hey, Miss Netflix. She has the whole basement to herself for movie night. Oh, look, she's sad. And scared. And happy. All by herself. What you need is a group of 8 to 12 friends. Friends to catch that awesome pass. A group of people who've got your back. Stop doing things alone. Prime groups. Get in one. RSVP for our joining event on June 22nd at liveyourprime.org. Uh, 
traveling last week, and I had some pictures on my phone of the set from this series, you know, and I, I had shown somebody a picture of, of the set, and uh, he said, wow, that's an incredible aquarium. How did you get all the water in there? And I said, well, uh, I said, it's not really an aquarium, and he, and, and he said, okay, well, it's not really an aquarium, but how'd you get all the water in there? I said, well, you don't understand. It's, 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 it's a, I try to explain this. It's a frame. Well, how'd you get all the water in there? And I said, well, it wasn't easy. <laughs> you know? Anyhow, we're in the middle of a series called Jonah, and um, as I was preparing, like I said, I was traveling this week, and as I was preparing for the talk, um, I was uh, on an airplane doing some, you know, work on it, and it reminded me of a previous trip I had taken some years ago. I was working at the church that I worked at previous to here, and I was taking a trip and um, uh, met a guy getting on the plane, and, and uh, that, that conversation's always awkward. I don't know if you travel, but, but the, you know, for one thing, after the next hour and a half, you're never going to see this person for the rest of your life. I mean, it's a really brief thing, you know, so what do you talk about for, you know, a short period of time, hopefully a very short period of time, you know. Um, and so we're having this conversation, and guys, you know, the way we ask the question, what do you do? At least that's something we can talk about, right? So I asked him, what do you do? He said, well, I'm in real estate, you know, and, and I do these kinds of deals and, you know, industrial and business sorts of deals. He's talking to me about all that. After a while, he turns to me and he says, now, what do you do? And I'm thinking the conversation is getting ready to take a weird turn, right? Because when I say what I do, it's going to get a little strange. You know, I said, well, you know, I'm in the ministry. You know, oh, okay, you know. Uh, he said, yeah, that's, that's really cool. He said, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't do the church thing so much, you know. Um, he's like, I, when I was uh, growing up, I went to church, and I was in the youth group and, and stuff like that. And he said, you know, uh, my parents are, are Christians and, and so forth. And he said, I just... Um, I don't, I don't do that so much. And uh, I said, oh, do you have a bad experience in, uh, in church? And he's like, well, it's like it's just kind of the whole thing, you know? He's like, I, I just don't appreciate the intrusion in my life. And I said, well, it does sound like you had a bad experience. He's like, yeah, I, you know, he's like, I just don't, I don't appreciate the intrusion. He said, you know, whether it's God or the government, and I thought, well, nice of you to put them both in the same box there, you know? He's like, whether it's God or the government, he's like, I don't like people telling me you should live your life this way, you should not live your life this way. He said, because, you know, I'm an adult, and, and he's like, one of the things my parents instilled in me is you, you make your own decisions, and he said, I feel like I can make wise decisions, and he's like, so, you know, he said, I just really don't like somebody telling me what to do, and then all of a sudden, you hear the little ding, and he goes, oops, seatbelt time, click. Isn't it interesting that we'll follow some directions and not others, right? Because he's telling me now, you know, the Bible is full of of uh, instructions, directions, do's and don'ts, I think is the way he put it. Um, but there's a lot of information here about what, the, what God says we should do and a lot of information about what the Bible says we shouldn't do. And he was saying, you know, to me that feels like an intrusion in my life. It feels like kind of strong-arming a little bit. But it wasn't too big a deal for him when the captain said, put your seatbelts on, right? And isn't it true that all of us do follow at least some directions? I don't care. You find me the most rebellious girl teenager right, that you can find, that will not listen, her mom can talk until she's blue in the face, and this gal will not listen to anything her mom says, but she will pay attention to a little tag about this big by this big on her favorite sweater that says, do not put this in the dryer, right? We all follow some directions. Why do we follow directions? Because we get instinctively that good directions lead to good outcomes, right? As a matter of fact, we could put it this way. The destinations that we arrive at in life are largely the result of the directions that we choose to follow. So here at New Spring, 
When, when, I, when I look at the same Bible that this gentleman was talking to me about on the airplane, when I look at the instructions that he was talking about, I think I look at them in a little bit of a different way. Because at New Spring, we believe God wants what's best for you. I believe God wants what's best for you. And so when I look at God's instructions, while I struggle with some of them, and while I don't follow all of them all the time because I'm not perfect, I see God's directions for my life because God wants the very best outcome for my life. And so you know that's the way that we treat the scriptures. If you come here, we know, you know that we don't just read this as a book of poetic text. We don't just read this as, as something to get together and do on the weekends. We read this book as God's instructions for the best possible outcome in our life. And that's the way that we hold this. But the question for today and the question that kind of Jonah brings up for us is what do you do when God gives you good instructions, they're the, they're the best instructions, hopefully for the best outcome in your life, and you don't follow them? those instructions. What do you do when not only did you not follow the instructions, but you went the opposite way? And just so that we can all be clear, this applies to all of us, right? None of us are in the exact same situation Jonah was in, but I'll guarantee you all of us at some point, in fact, the Bible tells us specifically, all of us at some point have gone off and done our own thing. God has given us directions, God has given us instructions, and every single human being at some point has said to God, no, I think I'd rather go do this. So what do we do when we find ourselves in that position? And that's where we're going today. So let's, let's kind of recap a little bit what we talked about last week. Um, we're talking about a, a man named Jonah, a prophet of God, a preacher, right? We, we read his story in a little uh, tiny book, a little minor prophet in the Old Testament. Um, and Jonah is given some directions by God. He's given some instructions. And we see that in Jonah 1, chapter 1 and verse 2. Uh, God says to Jonah, get up. And go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, it doesn't mean great like the wonderful city of Nineveh. It means huge. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, when God says the people were wicked, I did some research this week uh, on Nineveh. You heard Dad talk last week about uh, the people of Nineveh. Um, the things that they did to their enemies, the things that they did to their prisoners were so terrible. Um, they're, they're not really mentionable in this context. They probably don't even belong in print. They're really, really nasty things these people did. And so these people were not only evil. There were a lot of evil people in this time period, but they were not only evil, they were mean to boot, right? So God is telling Jonah, I want you to go to this intensely mean people, right? The people that are known for all of their terrible torture tactics. And I want you to go stir the pot by telling them that what they're doing is bad in my sight. And I want them to turn around or I'm going to bring judgment on them. Now, Jonah is not a warrior. He's a preacher. Something I can personally identify with, right? I don't break up a lot of bar fights, right? I don't know if you can tell this by looking at me, but I cannot take care of myself right? Um, I, I'm just not built for that, right? Um, and my hunch is Jonah could probably relate to that. God is sending Jonah right into the, into the middle of what could be a very contentious situation, right? And, and he just, um, he doesn't want to do it, right? He's afraid. And so he decides, okay, you know, what are my options? I mean, God has told me to do this, but I don't want to do this because, you know, I could really get hurt, and so basically he decides his options are either to do what God's asked him to do or try to get away from God. Now, by the way, just as a side point, isn't it interesting that when we find ourselves in a situation where we don't want to do what God asks us to do, our common sense seems to just go out the window. Have you noticed that? I mean, here we've got Jonah. He's a preacher. He's a prophet. He ought to understand that you're not going to get away from God, you know. And yet his thought is, well, you know, if I, if I hop on a boat, maybe I can get far enough that, you know, 
God will forget about me. Let's check this out. Jonah 1.3. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, which is in the opposite direction of Nineveh. He bought a ticket and went on board, check out this phrase, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now that was crazy. You know, but in his heart, the thought was, well, I'm scared, so I'm just going to run as fast and as far as I can. Some of us have experienced that in the Christian life. Sometimes God asks us to do something that's intimidating or something that would shake up our life quite a bit. You know, maybe, maybe you became a God follower and you read some of the things that God said about this is the way that a God follower lives their life. And you look at that and you go, that would shake up my life pretty good. That's Jonah, man. He's saying, I just don't think I can do that. And he runs as far and as fast as he can. But God knows where he is. The Bible says, and we talked about this last week, God sent a big storm. I don't know if you've ever been uh, on a boat in the middle of a big storm, but it's not a fun place to be. God sends a big storm. The sailors get really upset. They try to figure out what's going on. God gives them a way to determine that Jonah's the problem. Jonah even admits he's the problem. He says that he's running away from the true God. And Jonah says, look, if you want the storm to stop, you can just throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard, right? And the storm does stop. Good news for the sailors, not so good news for Jonah. Jonah is now drowning, right? And the Bible says that is the point at which God had arranged, this is Jonah 1.17, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably learned the story as Jonah and the whale, but we don't really know that it was a whale. Um, that's just a human guess. All we know is that God arranged for a big fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So here's the deal. We, we were talking about this a minute ago. We said God gives directions. Why? Because God wants the best for us. So this book is full of God's directions for us, right? Now, what we can also agree on, I think, is that all of us as human beings, we have the capacity to follow or not follow God's directions, just like Jonah decided he didn't want to follow God's directions, he wanted to go do something else. But can we not also agree, and some of us could personally attest to the fact, that when we do not follow God's directions and when we run the opposite way, God knows where we are and he has the resources to get our attention, right? God knows where we went and he has the resources to get our attention, right? I have uh, two little girls at home, right? That's why Father's Day is very special for me. And my two little girls understand that their dad has, I don't know whether it's due to ADD or whether it's just due to the patented male tunnel vision, but I have the ability to watch a television screen and one of them be trying to talk to me and my not recognizing that they're trying to talk to me. But my daughters possess the, the, the ability to turn up the volume until they do get my attention, Right? It's sort of a, you know, it's a gradual thing, and I got to hand it to them. It, 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 they're just waiting until they get my attention, so they're very polite about it, but it just starts out low, dad, 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 right? Any of you experience this, right? It eventually will get your attention. God does the same thing, right? He'll start soft, but if you continue to go in a different direction, he will eventually crank up the volume until he gets your attention. You know, you wonder, well, why did God send the storm? God sent the storm because he needed to get Jonah's attention. And so this is, this, is, this is the kind of path that we're taking here, right? Sometimes God gives us directions. Sometimes we don't follow them. And then when we don't follow them, God knows where to find us and he can get our attention. So this is where we're at in the story. The Bible says Jonah was in the fish for three days and three nights, and we're catching up with him on morning four in Jonah chapter two and verse one, and we're gonna be trying to answer the question, what do you do when God gives you directions and you don't follow them? Here we go, Jonah two, verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. This is an interesting place for a prayer. 
As a matter of fact, in a moment, you're going to see that not only did Jonah pray from inside the fish, he prayed when he was drowning, right? Can I ask you a question? When is it appropriate to pray for help? Or maybe this is a better question. Is it ever inappropriate to pray for help? I mean, for instance, um, how about uh, a person who, a guy who cheats on his wife, right? And um, say he's been having this affair for a couple years, and she finds out about it, and the marriage begins to fall apart, right? Is it appropriate for him to pray to God for help when that happens? How about a, a criminal who commits a terrible crime and goes to prison and, and realizes what he's done and, and calls out to God for help? Is that okay? Is it appropriate? What about a selfish person who's lived decades of their life only for themselves, and now on their deathbed, the light bulb turns on and they get it, that they need Jesus, and they call out for help from God. Is that okay? Is that appropriate? And what about Jonah? I mean, Jonah tried to get away from God. I mean, check this out. Jonah 1.3. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord, hoping to escape. So Jonah was, was moving as far away from God as he possibly could. So is it all right now for him to turn around and try to contact the same God that he was just trying to get away from? Now, if you're just kind of mulling this over, you know, the thought kind of is, well, yeah, it probably is okay, but do we really believe that deep down in our hearts? Because I think sometimes we think that we've messed up too much. We think that we've not kept up our end of the bargain so much that at a point we begin to think, I'm not sure whether it's appropriate for me to pray to God right now. I'm not sure it's appropriate for me to ask for help right now because after all, am I not, am I not in the middle of, this, of the mess that I created for myself? So we need to answer this question. When is it appropriate to pray for help? When is it inappropriate to pray for help? Or is it ever inappropriate? And to get to that question, let's take a look and see what Jonah has to say about his experience when he was praying to God in trouble. Jonah 2.2, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows." My salvation comes from the Lord alone. So we do know this as we're taking a look at Jonah's prayer. We know he prayed to God when he was in big trouble. I mean, Jonah said it right out, right? Jonah 2.2, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. He said, I was in big trouble and God answered me. Now this is interesting. I'll have somebody come talk to me sometime and say, you know, I've got um, this rebellious kid and he could care less about God, doesn't want to come to church, doesn't want to do anything, but now he's in trouble, you know, he's gotten himself into a little bit of trouble, now he says he wants to go to church, now he says he wants to, you know, he wants to make things right, he wants to get with God, but he's only doing that because he's in trouble. Yeah. Sure. Oh, well, the, you know, this person is only telling me that they want to connect with God because they've done, they've done something wrong and now they're experiencing trouble. Hey, let me tell you what, it works that way a lot of the time for all of us. Sometimes God has to allow, sometimes, you know, when, when the volume knob is low and it doesn't take much for God to get our attention, a lot of times it's different. But when God really has to crank that volume knob up, don't be surprised if it takes a little bit of difficult circumstances to get our attention. Now, don't, 
don't hear me say that every bad thing you go through in your life is the result of God trying to get your attention. Most of the bad things we go through in life are because we live in a broken world. But what I am saying is that God can use bad things to get your attention if necessary. Nobody likes being in a storm. I cannot imagine anybody wanting to be swallowed by a fish, but I, I guarantee you it did get Jonah's attention. Jonah 2.7. Jonah said, as my life was slipping away, I love this, I remembered the Lord. I remembered. Why is it so important that he said he remembered the Lord? This is big. You got to get this. The farther we move away from God, the easier it is to forget him. You know, I talk to, I, I, I don't know why this is on my mind. I've used this as an illustration in all the services, but I've talked to guys before whose marriage was falling apart because they had some sort of internet addiction. And they would tell me, you know, Jonathan, when I first got into this, when I was first involved with this, right, it didn't seem, it, it, it didn't seem like something I could live with. I was constantly wrestling with it. I was constantly upset about it. I was constantly praying to God because I felt so bad about it and my conscience just really felt terrible. But you know, Jonathan, now that this has happened for a while, honestly, it doesn't feel like it's that bad. And so I'm thinking maybe it wasn't as bad as I originally thought. No, it's not that it's gotten any better. What's happened is this person has gotten so far away from God's directions, they're beginning to forget God. And so Jonah basically saying, God gave me some directions. I chose not to follow them. And I got farther away from God. I was beginning to forget him. And then God cranked up the volume knob and got my attention. And then I remembered. Why, does God, why is God so desperate to get our attention in moments when we're not following him? Because he wants us to remember him. He wants us to remember where we've come from. So Jonah said, my life was slipping away and I remembered the Lord. And that is the pivotal moment. It's the pivotal moment in the book of Jonah, and it's the pivotal moment in your life. What will you do when God gets your attention and when you remember God? Take a break for a second and ask this question. If you were to say, Jonathan, um, what do you think is the hardest part of your Christian life? If you had to just, you know, distill it down to one thing. There are a lot of difficult parts, but I would tell you that I think the biggest one is not taking an all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite God, the creator of the universe, the author of DNA, all the, you know, who is so big and so amazing that I, I can't even begin to understand the smallest part of who he is, not taking an infinite God and putting him, trapping him, constraining him to the box of my own human experience. See, the older I get, the more I begin to think that I understand the way the world works. The more I observe relationships, the more I observe the way things operate in this world, the more I begin to think I have a sense for how things go. And that's all right up until the point that I begin to think that because I know how things work here, I know how God works. The moment I begin to say, well, because people do this, God does this. Because people react this way, God reacts that way. That's when I get into trouble. There's an interesting bit of research done by a psychologist that I have a lot of respect for. Um, I do a lot of work with couples, and so this, this guy, is a, he's a researcher about what couples survive and what couples don't survive, and, and, and he's done some incredible research over the past three decades. And he's found a few things in his research that he says are pivotal and really can make the difference um, regarding whether a couple stays together. And one of those is something he calls turning toward or turning away, right? And basically, he says it works like this. In critical moments in the relationship, mostly during conflict, but for right now, we're just going to leave it as during critical moments in the relationship— one person is making an attempt 
to connect with the other person. And you know, if you're married, you know what this is like. You know, maybe you're in conflict, but somebody reaches out an olive branch. Somebody says something, you know, humorous or makes an attempt to find a way to just bridge the gap that the conflict has created and try to bring that sense of connection back. And what this researcher said is in that moment, the other person has a choice to make, whether to turn toward that attempt for connection or to turn away from it. And here's what's really interesting. Human nature is that if somebody is trying to, if somebody's trying to connect with me and I turn my back on them, human nature is for them to turn their back on me. That's the way it works. It's a cycle. So many of us have gotten really used to that and we've lived long enough to see it play out. We've had our moments where somebody was trying to connect with us, but it just it wasn't going the way, it wasn't going well, the relationship wasn't going well, the conversation wasn't going well, whatever. And so in the middle of them trying to relate to us, we turned around, we, 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 we turned away from their attempt to connect with us. And then at some point, we got it straight in our head and said, wait a minute, I need to turn back around, I need to try to connect with this person. And then when we did that, we turned around and saw their back because they turned their back because we turned our back. And here's what I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't think so. I think that because we experience this in our life, some of us over and over and over again, we come to believe that when we do good, we're lovable. When I'm, when I'm responding to that attempt for connection, as long as I'm open and I'm doing the right thing, I'm lovable. But when I do bad, I'm unlovable. And sometimes, in human relationships, that's the message that gets sent. Here's the problem. That is, if, if, we, if we believe that that's the way God works, that when we do good, it is possible for God to love us. When we do bad, it is impossible for God to love us. That is taking the infinite God and putting him within the box of our human experience. And what happens when we get that, when we, when, when we splay those things out, is we come to a point where all of a sudden, we think we can't connect with God. This is what really just, it, it, can, it can sink what could be a tremendous relationship with God. We get to a point where we don't even want to pray. Because it's not because we don't know how to pray. And it's not because we don't have something that we need to communicate with God about. And it's not because it's awkward to us. What is awkward is we are afraid that if we were to pray, if we were to turn around, God would have his back turned to us. And we feel like it would never get through. Because after all, isn't this something that I've done to myself when I turned away from God's desire to connect with me? But Jonah can experientially, please get this, Jonah can experientially say, I want to tell you something. God was trying to make an attempt to connect with me. My whole life, God was attempting to connect with me over and over and over again. And I did something stupid. I turned my back on God when he was still trying to attempt to connect with me. But there came a moment when God got my attention. He knew where I was and he had the resources to get my attention. He turned the volume knob up and eventually I got the idea that it would probably be a good idea to turn around. And when I turned around, I figured out that God never turned his back on me. As a matter of fact, I turned back around smack dab into God's continued attempt to connect with me because he never stopped. He never stopped. Revelation 3.19 is a good text that sort of supports this idea where God says, I discipline, I correct and discipline everyone that I love. 
right? When he says, I discipline everyone that I, uh, I, I correct and discipline everyone that I love, he's basically saying, I have the resources to get your attention because I love you, right? But then he says this, check this out. So be diligent and do what? Turn. Turn from your indifference. What is the indifference? Indifference is forgetting. We go off the path and we begin to forget God and God says, I, I need you to remember and turn. Notice God does not say be perfect. Notice God does not say earn my turning back around. I've turned my back because you turn yours. So you need to earn whatever it takes for me to turn back around. No, God's saying, I never turned my back on you. You just need to remember me and turn. That's all I'm asking for. Then in verse 20, this is the verse right after what we just read. God says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Well, this is one of uh, many places where the English language doesn't give us as much color as the Greek language. And I'm no language scholar, but the Greek language has a lot more verb tenses than the English language does. And so when the Bible says, uh, God says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, or look, I stand at the door and knock. If I were to come to your house and want to make contact with you, I would come up to your door and I would knock, and then I would step back and I would wait for you to open the door. If you didn't open the door after a while, I'm just going to go, well, they must not be home, and I'm going to leave, right? When God says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, basically he's saying, I come to your door and I... And I never stop. And I never stop. Do you know what it, if, if we were to just kind of play with the verb tenses a little bit and, and, and try to word this in a way that sort of reflects that, it would be God is saying, look, I personally am standing at the door to your heart and I'm not going to quit standing here. And I'm knocking on the door to your heart and I'm not going to quit knocking. It's as though God is saying, I have no intention of quitting. I'm going to keep attempting to connect with you no matter what you do. And that's the coolest thing about God as far as I'm concerned. God says, I'm not going to stop. I mean, you can turn away from me if you want to, but that's not going to change who I am. God's not human. He doesn't operate the way everybody else on this planet does. God says, I've got so much love for you, and I've got plenty of time, and I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to wait. And the only thing I can ask for is that at some point you'll remember and you'll turn. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says this, God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, just like Jonah was almost dead at the bottom of the water, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do what? The good things he planned for us long ago. Those are the good outcomes, right? So from the beginning of your life, God had a plan for you. He wanted you to be able to accomplish good things, and he has a purpose for your life. And there is potential in every single life in this room. There is potential that only God knows. Nobody knows what you're capable of except God. You don't even know what you're capable of. God installed you from the moment of the beginning of your life with hidden potential, and only God knows how much that is. The question is, how long will God's plan stay on hold? That is why God continues to knock on the door, because God knows what you're capable of, and he wants you to accomplish big things, and God is basically saying, I'm ready to move this train down the road. I'm just wondering when you're going to be ready. He called Jonah because he wanted Jonah to, to accomplish something big. And as long as Jonah was running away from God, those plans were on hold. And God was saying, look, it's going to take a little work to get you back here. But I really do want to get this whole thing started. And that's the way he is with our lives as well. 
But as we wrap up our talk this morning, in the interest of full disclosure, there are a couple things that I do need to say. I want to make sure that we're balanced here. Because I know when I talk about, you know, God just wants you to remember him in turn, it can sound like I'm saying there's nothing to it. But there is something to it. And one of the reasons why we contend to be skeptical about this is because there is a little bit involved with turning around. First of all, it involves making a, being willing to change your mind, right? There's a, a word that you'll find all throughout the Bible. You see it first in 1 Kings. It goes all the way through Revelation. And the word is repent, right? When I was in Sunday school as a kid, that word used to really scare me because it sounded to me, when, when, when God says to us, repent, it sounds to me like God is saying, find a way to be perfect, fix everything that's wrong with you, you know, all the, all the things that you do wrong, find a way to not do any of those things wrong anymore. And I knew that no matter, you know, I, I know me as a person, I know I'll always struggle to follow what God tells me to do. So it was a real challenge. But this may be comforting to you as it certainly is for me. That in the New Testament, generally speaking, when you see the word repent, it means to change your attitude, to change your mind, to reorient your thinking, to choose to turn around the orientation with which you make decisions. So you have to understand, Jonah could not, and this is what's so huge, Jonah could not have a mindset of running away from God and still turn around. It doesn't work that way. Jonah had to be willing to change his mind of what his ultimate goal was. And let me, let me put it this way. You can turn and still be struggling. You just can't turn and still be stubborn. Right? There has to be a, willing to, a willingness inside that says, God, I'm willing to let you take control. I'm, I'm willing to, to, to turn over the wheel to you. I'm willing to surrender to what it is that you want for my life. I may struggle. I may not always do the right thing. I may not always be in the right place at the right time. I may really have some difficulties in my life, but I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm not going to keep running away from you. It does involve changing your mind. And we could spend a lot of time on that, but I, I want to cover something else quickly before we finish. <clears throat> when you turn, the other thing is, generally speaking, it involves making up lost ground, Right? Now think about this. Jonah is in the belly of a big fish for three days and three nights. Why three days and why three nights? I mean, 30 minutes inside a fish would be enough to convince me. Why does he have to be in that long, right? Well, because he'd been away from God for three days and three nights. He'd covered that much territory going away from God. Now he's got to cover that much territory coming back to where he was when God called him. <clears throat> in my work with couples, some things have a pattern to them. Some things are kind of consistent. I mean, couples are unique. They're different. They present different situations and different issues. But some things tend to be very similar. And one thing that I've experienced several times, uh, well, several isn't even enough. I've experienced this many times. I'll get a call from um, a, a husband and he'll say, you know, Jonathan, I, I, I really, I hate to admit this, but I've been having an affair. It's been going on for some time. Now my wife found out about it, and my whole world is imploding. Everything is falling apart, and I really need you to help us. I need, I need you to help me. It's about 2.30 right now. Can we get in to see you maybe 2.45? Um, I've got, uh, there's, I'm trying everything, Jonathan. You don't understand. I'm trying everything. I've apologized. I've, I, you know, I've, I've, I've changed my Facebook. I've, I've thrown away my phone. I've done this, and I've done that. And he's given me this whole long list of things that he's done. He's like, but nothing I do right now is good enough for her. She won't even talk to me, Jonathan. If I could just, if we could just get in to see you, you could help us get it fixed. And what he's hoping is that I can fix it today. And I can't. He can't. Nobody can, right? 
Because the farther you cover territory away from God's directions, the longer it's going to take to get back to where you were when God gave you those instructions in the first place. I know that's not fun to hear, but it's so true. I mean, it's no fun, but some of us are going to have to cover quite a bit of territory to get back to the family life we used to have. Some of us are going to have to cover quite a bit of territory to get back to the home that we used to have, the marriage that we used to have. But can I tell you this? Every bit of territory that you cover on your way back to where you used to be is worth it because that gets you back to a place where God can say, all right, you are my masterpiece. Now I want to get you plugged into the good plans I had for you a long time ago. It's tough, though. I remember, I've used this as an illustration the last couple messages. I remember being on a staff trip last year, and several of us staffers happened to be on the same flight. And we were out of Denver, uh, International Airport coming into Wichita, and uh, it was red eye, late late night flight. All of us were tired. All of us were, you know, uh, church staff never gets cranky, but we were bordering on cranky, you know. Um, and uh, so we're we're getting we see the lights of the of the airport off in the distance, you know. And the pilot comes on and says, you know, we're going to land in about seven minutes, you know. And and we're getting ready. You keep feeling the plane descending, and then all of a sudden you feel the plane sharply come up and go to the right, and the the pilot comes over the intercom and says, folks, there's been a little weather right over Mid-Continent Airport, so we're headed back to Denver. Midnight. We walk off of the plane to the same gate in the same concourse with the same lady that checked our tickets to get on the plane, and I thought, this is not cool, right? Isn't it crazy when you end up where you started? I mean, that's exactly what happens to Jonah. Poor guy. I mean, the Bible tells us that the fish threw him up on the land. And we think, Bible scholars think, that where the fish deposited Jonah was right back at Joppa. Right where he, you know, not too long ago, got on a boat to head to Tarshish. You know, he looked put together, had a suit and tie on. Everybody said, look, there's Pastor Jonah. He is looking sharp, isn't he? He's getting on the boat, going somewhere to preach the gospel. No, he was headed away from God. Now he's come back. He doesn't look as pretty as he did before. He spent a few days inside a fish. He stinks. Nobody wants to be around him. And he's right back where he was before. But I'll tell you something. This is what I think. I think Jonah didn't mind. I mean, I I do think he had to learn the lesson. He had to learn that every mile you cover away from God, you're going to have to cover twice. But I don't think he minded. You know what I think? I think he got on that beach. And I think he told everybody that he ran into, you know what I learned? That I serve a God that never stops trying to get in touch with me. I learned that I serve a God who always is willing to be there for me when I'm ready to turn around. We ask the question, is it ever inappropriate to pray to God? And God says it's not. Doesn't matter what I say. Doesn't matter what my opinion is. God says it's not. To say it's inappropriate to pray to God because we're in trouble is like saying it's inappropriate to answer the phone because it's rung too many times. God's just going to continue attempting to connect until at some point, hopefully, there is that instinct within inside that says, you know what, I think it's about time to answer. And when you do answer, God says, I'm going to be right here doing what I was doing the moment I met you, trying to connect with you, sending attempts to connect with you. I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to give you the cold shoulder. I'm just going to welcome you home. You may have to cover some distance getting back to where you were when I first called you, but we'll walk that distance together, and then I can get you on track to have the, 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 the plans that I designed for you when you first entered this world. We serve an amazing God, because it takes an amazing God to look past the things that we've done wrong, to look past the moments that we've turned away and say, I still want to welcome you home. You know, um, you know why I like GPS? 
I like GPS because, well, first of all, because I can't find my way out of a paper bag. Whenever I travel, you know, places I don't know, streets I don't know, trying to get places I don't know, I take GPS, well, unless Wendy's with me. If Wendy's with me, she tells me which way to turn. If, I have, if Wendy's not with me, I have the GPS. So what, one way or the other, there's a woman's voice in the car telling me, turn right, turn left, turn right, turn left. Sometimes it's both, and then there's a third woman in the car, and then we're really struggling, you know. Uh, but regardless... And I know probably some of y'all, you, you don't like it when the GPS says rerouting. Because people tell me, oh, I don't like it when it says rerouting, you know. Such a pain. I love it when it says rerouting. Man, I just get a little happy in my spirit when it says rerouting. Because when it says rerouting, I know that I have a piece of equipment that even if I make a wrong turn, it can get me to where I still need to be. And that is what is so cool about God. Because even when we make a wrong turn, God can still calculate a trajectory. He can calculate a path to get us on track. Hey, you know what? Jonah and, the, Jonah and the great fish is not a cool story because a fish swallowed Jonah. I mean, that's cool. But what's cool about it is that God can use anything, including a major fish, to find a way to, to, to create a trajectory to get a person back on track to what he intended for them in the first place. And he can do that for you too. So the question today is not, are you being perfect are you following all of God's instructions? The question is, are you turning toward or are you turning away? And that will determine your destiny because the destinations we arrive at are the result of the directions that we follow. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you love us and that you give us good directions. Father, help us when we don't follow those directions. Help us when we turn away from you. More than anything, help us to remember that you still want to connect with us. And as you are making those attempts to connect with us, I pray that everyone in this room would turn your direction with arms wide open to say, I receive your desire to connect with me. Heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. If you would say, you know what, Jonathan, I recognize that in my life I've never turned toward God and received his desire to connect with me. And yet I know the phone's been ringing for a long time. I know that God's cranked up the volume a bunch of times and I just haven't listened, I haven't turned, but it's time now for me, it's time to turn. If that's you in this room, here's what I'd like to do. First of all, I wanna just applaud the fact that you're hearing that message and that you're ready. And what I wanna do is I wanna give you a very simple prayer that you can pray to reach out to God to say, I wanna turn toward you. You don't need to say this out loud. You can say this silently in your head, and if you do, it'll be settled once and for all. Ready, here we go. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that when I had turned away from you, you sent your son to die for me so that we could be connected. I accept your free gift of heaven and forgiveness. I'm turning toward you because I believe you're the only one who rescues. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look this way, everybody in the room. If you just prayed that prayer, we're so excited for you. As a matter of fact, we put together a little packet of materials for you. There's a booklet in there that my dad wrote and a DVD and a voucher for a free Bible. We just like to get it to you. So if you'll take that talk to us card you got when you came in, check the box that says, I prayed to receive Christ. Take it to guest services. They'd love to get that packet to you. Thanks so much for being here next week is week three of Jonah.